dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast, powered by Prospera Partners. Now here are your hosts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to be back. We've taken a little bit of a break over the summer to enjoy our time and some summer activities and the sweltering heat. Some of us love that. Some of us hate it. (laughs) But it's good to be back with you all. And we're super excited because we are actually doing a whole kind of shift in our podcast and we're bringing in guests. So you're going to hear from one of our guests today. But in the meantime, I want to say hi to Ray and uh, just check in. How are you, Ray? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. I am definitely one of those (laughs) not a fan of the sweltering heat. So I'm glad temperatures are dropping a bit and we have those cool mornings again. And yeah, excited to get into it today. Great. Well, we're super excited to have our guest with us today, Tudor Montag, who um, I consider a friend and a colleague and a client, and really lucky to have all three of those from you, Tudor. So welcome. Good to have you here. Hey, thanks for the invite, Vicki. And um, likewise, back at you, I consider you all of the above and a mentor as well with our with our history through NEAR. And uh, great to see you and Ray as well. Good to see you too. Awesome. Thank you. Um, So Tudor's business is Spirit Mountain Roasting Company. And I met Tudor when I was a mentor for the Native Entrepreneur in Residence Program at New Mexico Community Capital. There you go. That summer break was a doozy. Um, so I was a mentor in the program and a consultant to um, these amazing Native-owned businesses from all over the country, and Tudor applied to the program. Tudor, what made you want to apply into the program? Uh, Indian country being a, a small world, it was a good buddy of mine that I had uh, worked with in the past that mentioned the program uh, in the first place, and he was the one that kind of clued me in on it told me what it was about. And it was just perfect timing for where I was at in, you know, where I was at with my business. And um, New Mexico has a special place in my heart. I was born there. So um, everything was just like pointing in the right direction. I was like, man, let's give it a shot. So did it and was thankfully I was accepted. So that's how that's been. Yeah, good. And we were so glad to have your application. And I remember reading it thinking, this guy, <laughs> we need to bring this guy in because he's got a great concept and you just had all the right sort of elements to starting the business and the right mindset to starting the business and, um, you know, working hard. So tell us about your business and then we'll we'll get into all of that a little bit more too. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's Spear Mountain Roasting Company. Uh, I founded it uh, in 2015. So I was still working full-time in the environmental field and, and got the business up and running. I was still living in Mesa, Arizona, basically coffee roasting company, um, specialty coffee, fresh roasted, started with just local sales, friends and family, then started building up the, the brand, got everything set and then moved back home to the res and, and basically started as uh, just the wholesale. And then I added a web 
online web sale presence, which was kind of my retail side, but it was basically uh, just that, you know, uh, doing cafes, I got a contract with our casino. So had some wholesale accounts and then a little bit of web, web sales to start and then recently branched into the brick and mortar cafe side. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so exciting. I, I want to hear all about that and your all the challenges and successes of getting to the point of launching the cafe, because I know that was part of your original plan when we first met. So part of the work that we did together was really um, digging into your business planning, your strategies of how you were going to grow the business and social impact. So talk about that, because you have a great, what do you call it, seed to cup, coffee bean to cup model and you're sourcing. So talk about that for us. Yeah. 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 So that, that tagline you mentioned, we say is uh, indigenous from seed to cup. It was something I wanted to build into the company early on. And I think coming from the environmental background, uh, the work I did previously in the environmental field kind of had my eyes open to impacts that we have on the planet, whether it's business, personal, however we live our lives, we, we have a footprint one way or another. When I had the concept for the company come together, a part of that is is finding a supply chain. With that in mind, the supplier that I'm currently working with and been with them since the beginning, um, we've talked about this and I'm real proud of it, is they're a certified B Corporation. Um, so they're a coffee importer that just by um, the way they do business, um, they've had a third party come and look at their operations and say, yeah, you're paying your people fairly. Um, you're operating in a good way, basically. So that was the start. Found a good company that you know was, was operating well. So they import coffees uh, from pretty much all over the world, but they focus um, Central and South America. What I did from that point was make it a point to select coffees that were either grown by indigenous communities or women cooperatives. So kind of narrowing even further from what they had. I said, I want to spend my money, my dollars on these specific producers. So on that side of it, I was able to kind of direct, you know, of course, our dollars and and be true to that concept, indigenous from seed to cup. So at, at least, if not all, at least some of our copies are from a indigenous producer or a women-owned cooperative. So on that side of it, and that whole kind of story is pretty neat as well uh, from where the coffee beans start on a tribal community in Central South America, get all the way over to my community where I roast it on the reservation here and then ship the coffee out. We have a lot of tribal customers, um, whether they're casinos or boutiques. So the beans have traveled south to north a lot of times and landing in, in indigenous lands and, and being consumed in indigenous lands. So that's the indigenous from seed to cup concept. And then just the you know, the materials and supplies that we use, we, we have to pay a little more, but we purchase compostable, recyclable materials. Um, our coffee bags are recyclable, compostable. The cups we use here in the cafe are, are plant-based materials. So just incorporating that entire, I guess, concept into the business model from the beginning was important to me. So that's kind of how we, I think, align. And discussions you and I had helped helped me kind of bring that focus into how we operate. You know, we had, we had many discussions on, you know, what does it actually mean to, to live this way or operate this way? You know, we've done a pretty good job. Yeah, absolutely. And to put it out front, right. And, and, um, 
to really put it out there to your customers that this is how you operate your business and you want them to know that and you want to be fully transparent with them as well. And that's why people pay what they pay for your product because it is a very good product and you have beautiful packaging that is biodegradable and recyclable and all of those things too. So you are living all of those values and tenants. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're proud of that. And it takes a little extra effort, but like you said, I think it's, um, people understand that and they, they gravitate towards that. You know, the ones that are aware and conscious, they make that decision to spend that dollar with us um, versus another company that may not, you know, follow that path. Yeah. So will you tell us a little bit more about your tribe and your reservation and where you're located specifically? Yeah, we're um, <clears throat> on the Fort Yuma Quetzon Reservation. And uh, so if you look at the map, um, we're in the very southeastern corner of, of California, um, southwestern corner of Arizona. So the reservation territory straddles the Colorado River. Um, so we have land base in both Arizona and California. And we bump up to the Mexican border. So, if, yeah, if you look on the map right where that little two states in the country of Mexico is, that's right where we're at. Relatively small tribe. I think we're around four or 5,000 members, primarily agricultural lands. So we produce um, throughout the year. We have crops growing, um, but all predominantly the, the majority of the land base farming land bases leased out to uh, farming companies that are doing like lettuce, melons, um, some of the grains and stuff like that. Pretty small footprint in comparison to some of the Arizona tribes that have much larger land base. But then in that same note, if you look at some of the California tribes, um, they're a bit smaller too. So we kind of fit right, you know, size-wise in the middle. Yeah, we have a couple of casino operations, um, but we're really rural. Um, they're small casinos. We have a couple of tribal enterprises that are um, I think some mobile home parks stuff like that but really rural community uh, so to speak of and the largest city or municipality is Yuma Arizona so if anybody's familiar with Yuma that we're across the river on the California yeah I learned so much from you about that area and I still have yet to visit and I really want to because it's it's just so interesting to me and the influence of the Mexican culture obviously right there on the border and, you know, straddling Arizona, California. And you have been so instrumental in collaborations across your reservation and in Yuma. So let's hear a little bit more about that, because one of the other participants in our Native Entrepreneur Program was uh, Romero Marquez, who owns Red Moon Ale House, and you introduced him to the program as well. And you had been starting to collaborate with him and his alehouse. So tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat operation that, so Ramiro is a community member from Fort Yumaquitzan and he, the tribe, the tribe's economic development department had purchased some properties within Yuma. So the tribe had some interests in uh, commercial properties and Ramiro was able to work and actually get one of the anchor points in the old historic part of Yuma, um, and he op uh, opened up the Red Moon Ale House. It's a really neat concept. It's an arcade uh, pub and uh, restaurant pub with the old school arcade games. Super cool. Um, they've since ventured into live music, so they have a lot of live music acts come in, which is 
think they're one of the only or very few that does have live music in Yuma. So it's pretty neat to see. He got into the NEAR program as well. Um, after we both graduated, we did a little collaboration and he was carrying our uh, cold brew there, which is when we were kind of, Spirit Mountain was still kind of getting on its footing and uh, he's opened his arms and said, yeah, man, bring it in. So we had the uh, cold brew on tap for quite a while, but yeah, cool, cool connection, um, full circle, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It was so fun to work with both of you and to talk about that collaboration too, and, you know, to get to know both of your businesses so well. One of the things that you really wanted to embed in your business plan was the support for your reservation and your tribal members and family, you know, uh, the extended family of tribal members and how to really give back and to impact the community. So what was that like for you in going into that with that mindset and where are you now in terms of your company's impact? Yeah, that was, that was a, definitely a big part of the vision for the company. And like I said, when I got it started, I was still living in Mesa and made a decision to move back home to the reservation as, as we started to gain a foothold and people were really digging the coffee. I, I was like, okay, if I can make this work, I want to do it back home in the community um, in order to provide jobs in some form, however small in my mind, economic stimulation and opportunity in the community. So we did move back. Again, there was a lot of obstacles that we had to face coming from a large metropolitan space, uh, potential customer base, access to a lot of business infrastructure, um, coming to a really rural community. Um, one of the biggest obstacles was lack of infrastructure, lack of space to actually function. So had to navigate that path um, and did it. We took a business loan out, built out a small roastery, and then brought in a couple of community members to help me package and ship. So it was, it was a small operation. Like you said, I always had the, the idea of doing a brick and mortar um, cafe. So <clears throat> shortly after we moved, got the roastery set up. I had put out a letter of interest to the tribe and said, hey, if anything ever opens up, the few spaces that we do have, I said, if any of them open up, we'd love to jump in there and do a cafe. That was before COVID. COVID hit. Thankful that, you know, we had kind of the diversity we did with the web online web presence, which was vital to keeping us going. Um, all of our wholesale stuff just kind of shut down. Made it through that. And then out of the blue, the tribe reached out and said, hey, we, we're going to have a space. Um, that's a whole kind of other story. They got some grant funding to create an incubator space, which is where I'm sitting at right now. Um, and they said, would you like to be the anchor tenant in this location? So they kind of subdivided this area. I said, absolutely. So we're responsible for building out uh, the cafe space that we're in now and, and put it together. And, and that was kind of the second phase of my vision for, you know, occupying this space and providing opportunity. So yeah, long story short on that end, we now employ six more community members in the cafe, um, getting them job skills and pride and being able to serve some really good coffee and pastries here in the community and the heart of the community too. So it's been awesome. I kind of want to jump into so many things because <laughs> I want to hear more about the incubator and the necessity for that in your community. But um, I, I just want to finish up about the cafe first. And 
where are you at with the cafe and how many folks are you employing now? Because I think I saw a social media post that you had six young employees from the from the uh, the tribe, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. We're actually um, close to our eighth week, I think, in operation. Um, so super new into it, but we have uh, six uh, community members that are employed all from the community here, which is, you know, my point of pride is, is what I said I wanted to come back to do. And um, yeah, so we're uh, two months in, six community members uh, hired on staff. And it's awesome because we do have one of the community members is a, a, a chef, pastry chef. She's been to culinary school and does all of our pastries fresh every day. We're getting rave reviews from that, you know, so it's a really neat it's really neat to see everything come together like this and, and be able to provide that opportunity for staff. But then on the flip side, the community can come into a space that's unique and beautiful and, and they can take pride in that. And you see that, you know, when they walk in and, and being able to serve them the product, fresh roasted coffee, fresh baked pastries, is, is what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I have to say that every time we look at your social media account, because we follow all of our clients, of course, and the pastries look so amazing. <laughs> so you're doing a great job. Um, so we're going to wrap up this episode, but you are going to come back and talk more. And I want to dig into some of the challenges of running a business, running a social impact business as you are. So we'll get to that in our second um, part. But um, we've always had this section in our in our podcast called what the fuck? WTF or aha moment. So I would love to just open it up to you about sort of a segue into our next part with you. What is either a WTF moment or an aha moment that you've had in your journey so far? Gosh, there there have been a few <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think the most recent, um, you know, I, I would say just the the biggest and most uh, impactful for me, like I didn't expect it to have that much of a, a impact is the community's response to this spot, you know, from elders that come in, we've got elders that come every morning to get their coffee and pastry or um, folks from uh, surrounding communities coming in and, and just seeing them light up. Um, there's a, a wall on the cafe where we have old historic photos of uh tribal members and then I'll hear stories like, oh, I know that family. And this so it's just like mm. I was hoping for, but I didn't expect for it for this space to have that impact. You know, and it's just like, what the fuck? This is cool. <laughs> That's great. That's both an aha and a what the fuck moment, right? Like yeah. you you don't realize the impact you're having until you see it. So that's amazing. So uh, great. Ray, I, you've been so quiet. I know you're just absorbing all of this great information from uh, Tudor. So I, I want to give you the last word. Sure. I mean, I feel like there's an aha in here of, and again, a, a platform I get on all the time of how important place and space is. And yeah. even when you're a business, I mean, I guess we think of coffee shops as spaces, but they really do serve as this uh, third place, right, where you can really gather and connect and be supported by a community. So just another aha in that really embodying that in your business and carrying that on. So my aha moment is really about how hard you have worked, Tudor. Um, I, I, you know, every time we, we text or we talk, 
over the the last few months, even when you were in the midst of of launching the cafe, you're like, oh, I'm so excited, and you know, you're just you're so dedicated. So that's my aha moment because it's so front and center of your your hard work and dedication. That's a that's a shout out to you and my own personal aha about how hard you work. I appreciate that, Vicky. Um, yeah, it's really the roastery side. What what kind of started this was that's still full time for me, and now I'm having to be at two places at once. So keeping the the heart of the cafe going with the roasted coffee, and then overseeing and and managing the cafe. It's like I wish I could clone <laughs> clone myself and be at both spaces at once. Right. Well, that's a great segue. So we're going to um, leave it here for today, but you are going to come back and talk to us again in part two, and we're going to dig into some of that, the challenges of running a business. So um, thank you so much, Tudor. Follow Tudor on Instagram, Spirit Mountain Roasting Company, Instagram, um, and the cafe as well. So um, it's a great social media feed. And you can buy his products online, and they will ship to you. Thanks a lot, Vicki. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Impact Out Loud. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good. Thank you.